Welcome to Suburban Warrior, the podcast that will impact, inspire, and empower you to transform your mindset and become the badass warrior that you are. I'm your host and fellow warrior, Chrissy Pfeiffer, former clinician and corporate marketing exec turns multi-passionate entrepreneur, performance and life coach, and mom to four not-so-little warriors. Each week, I will bring you honest conversations with inspiring guests to share their stories of resilience, optimism, success, and simple yet effective strategies so that you transform your thoughts and change your behavior to get the results you want in your life. You will be empowered to take action, warrior up, and believe in you. Let's do this. What's up, warriors? Welcome back to yet another episode of the Suburban Warrior Podcast. I'm your host, Chrissy Pfeiffer, and today we have a delicious episode in front of us. You know, I think no matter where you look these days, whether you're like on social media, you're watching the news, you're reading something, everywhere we look, we are talking about food, we're talking about our diets, and I think everyone I know is trying to at least eat a little bit healthier these days. And, you know, sometimes it gets very confusing as to what's the right diet, what should we be eating? But overall, I think it's really just about eating a general whole foods, low fat diet, anti-inflammatory. That's another big one that we've heard. So on our episode today, we are going to get to the bottom of it. We're going to talk about healthy eating and how to eat healthy, healthier, and not sacrifice sort of any taste or flavor and enjoyment of your meals. So I'm really excited to introduce to you Maureen McCooey Sheriff, functional nutrition chef and owner of Planted Kitchens. She spent most of her career preparing and serving food for her customers. From years as a caterer and cook to running cafes and restaurants, food service is in her blood. She's developed an interest in food on a deeper level as a wellness tool when she began studying nutrition. She decided that she no longer wanted to feed people. She wanted to nourish them. She began cooking for clients, taking into account dietary restrictions, their health concerns, and the nutrient density of the foods she was preparing. Suddenly, her career was on a whole new path. Now, she serves them a meal. She's helping them to be the healthiest version of themselves. Welcome to the podcast, Maureen. Thanks, Chrissy. I'm so happy to be here. I'm thrilled for you to be here too. And obviously, I know you pretty well because you have cooked for me and my family before, you know, when I'm on this health journey as well as many people are. I'm gluten-free and dairy-free. So is my husband. Kids are not <laughs> trying, <laughs> trying my hardest, but that's not happening yet. But um, you know, we all sort of, I think, get to a point where we realize that certain foods aren't serving us well. And I think that's what it takes in order to change your diet. So let's first hear about, you know, how how did you get into really, you know, I know you've worked in restaurants and you're a chef and got into nutrition. How did that all work? And especially into sort of this more like cooking to nourish as opposed to just cooking? Yeah. Um, so I've always been in the restaurant business, as we mentioned. And I lived in Aspen, Colorado for seven for 11 years. And about seven years ago, I moved back. And out there, I was a catering sales manager. 
And I did weddings and all of the social events, the bar mitzvahs and the birthday parties. And it was really rewarding work because you're helping people celebrate. And there's just, you know, it's a, a wonderful, wonderful way to make a living. And I found it very fulfilling. I had to move back here for family reasons, uh, like I said, seven years ago. And I brought my 16-year-old daughter with me. I have three kids, but the two other ones had kind of flown the coop already. So I took a job as a corporate catering sales manager here in Pennsylvania. And I suddenly realized that I didn't like that work very much because I was no longer helping people celebrate. As a corporate catering sales manager, you're just kind of trying to make sure that the client's happy and nothing goes wrong. So you're not innovating. You're not trying to impress anyone. You're not being creative. So the work was really uh, tiresome for me. I didn't, it wasn't rewarding at all. In addition, when I got back to Pennsylvania, I realized that the obesity crisis is something that's real. Yeah. You know, in Aspen, everybody's fit and healthy. And I got back here and everybody was smoking. And I, I really, it was a little bit of a, a thing for me. I couldn't really wrap my brain around the health crisis that was in front of me. So with those two things in mind, I decided to go back to school at night and get my certificate in holistic nutrition consulting. And at that same time, my daughter, who was a sophomore in high school, became pretty sick. She developed severe moodiness, which is kind of normal in a 16-year-old, but <laughs> more severe than most. Okay. Uh, and she was constantly tired. She had headaches. She had stomach aches and I knew something was wrong. So we started to play with her diet a little bit. And I always think the two things that you should consider first are gluten and dairy. Yeah. So we took the gluten out first. It seemed to work. We removed the, the dairy and things started to go in the right direction for her. So then once I knew what the problem was, then I had to figure out how to cook to those needs. Yeah. So that became a little bit of a challenge. I cooked all my life professionally and uh, in and out of the kitchens. And, and all of a sudden I had to figure out how to not use the traditional ingredients that we always had used. At the same time, a friend of mine had come to me and said that her doctor had put her on a very restrictive diet and it was severely anti-inflammatory. It was no dairy, no gluten, no nightshades. It went on and on. And she said, I can barely cook for myself as it is. I don't even know what to do. Will you cook for me, package it up and bring it to my house and I'll pay you to do that. Yeah. And so here was the challenge, right? I had my kid who was sick and this friend who was, you know, on her own wellness path. And uh, I was thriving. I just loved the idea of being able to figure out this kind of mystery of how to make things flavorful and delicious without the tra traditional ingredients that we were all accustomed to. So between all of those things, the Planted Kitchens was born. It's been very, very rewarding for me. I get to see my clients enter into a, a situation with me where they're not feeling their best. They're not performing their best. I deal with people who are running marathons. I deal with people who have weight loss you know, goals. And uh, it's great to see those people you know, be able to figure things out and turn things around just because I'm cooking meals for them and yeah. to attain those wellness goals because I'm a part of their life. So it's been really fun and rewarding for me. Yeah, it sounds like it would be. And 
I do think just like listening to you talk and overall as a whole, like, and and thinking back to even just for myself, um, it's been probably like eight years now that I've been gluten-free, but um, I, I think when you are told like you can't have, you know, you can't have gluten, you can't have dairy or, or, you know, when that, when you first have to make that shift, I think it feels very restrictive and, and overwhelming, but I do think that there's so many substitutes. And if you can like switch your perspective and maybe just have some fun with it, like you said, like, you know, start exploring, seeing what else is out there and maybe just shift your perspective in a different way. It really does open up this whole other world of food. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, you're not used to eating it, right? It's that we're, we're very used to cooking one way, eating one way, you know, and, and it takes really learning um, not only about food, but how to cook different foods, you know, what substitutions to use, but it could, it could be really fun and, and rewarding even for the people that are eating it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, one thing I try to tell my clients initially, regardless of whether I'm dealing with them on a nutrition consulting or a functional nutrition chef basis is to never say never. Yeah. Because I think that if we, even me, I take, took things out of my diet. I still play with my diet on a pretty regular basis, taking some things in, putting other things back. But I think that if you say never, I will never have a piece of pizza again. Right. I think that's a really hard pill to swallow. You know, I agree. I it's just too much. And I also think that it's not just tricking yourself. But when we talk about healing the body and healing the microbiome, that is the everything for the body. It's our immunity. It's our, you know, general well-being. And if we eat properly and follow an anti-inflammatory diet at certain points, sometimes we can heal the microbiome and then be able to reintroduce certain foods that are causing problems in our diet prior to that. So never say never is a big one for me. And the other one that I try to tell people is that small changes can give us big results. And it sounds trite and silly, but it's true. And, you know, I I tell clients, if you're eating McDonald's and Burger King today, don't come to me and tell me tomorrow you're going to be a vegan because that just doesn't make any sense, (laughs) right? It doesn't make any sense to have these huge switches. And so, so start to play and think small. Think about, you know, what it would feel like not to have sugar in our diet not to have white flour in our diet, not to have gluten at all in our diet. The options are amazing nowadays, as you had, yeah. you had inferred. Um, yeah. You know, the options are amazing. 10 years ago, it was not the case. There were exactly. not that many gluten-free options. And I think that, you know, if we can just kind of do it small. I, I had an argument with a client. I did a cooking demonstration and a, an older woman, she had attended this cooking demonstration and she was telling me that, I could, she couldn't get the amount of calcium in her diet unless she had a glass of milk every morning. Oh boy. And I said, well, wh- how does the milk make you feel? She said, the milk makes me feel sick, but I need the calcium. <laughs> oh no. And I said, listen, two cups of spinach equals the same amount of calcium as eight ounces of milk. And it's more available in your body, you know, in your body. So I think that maybe you should just reconsider. And she said, no, it's not. I said, okay, I'm going to move on from here. Yeah. So, <laughs> but there are people that want to well, change. That, 
Exactly. And that's what I mean by just sort of, I feel like we get very stuck in our dietary ways, right? I mean, just like anything else that we do in life are very much what we eat, our habits. And and changing habits is sometimes very difficult, just like it sounds like it was for her. Yeah. And I think that it's, you know, thinking about those big concepts sometimes is overwhelming for people. And one of the things that I tell people is don't make any changes yet. If people are, you know, they come to me and they say, I got to lose weight. I've got to get healthier. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I said, let's just analyze first before any changes are made. Let's be super honest about what is crossing the sacred barrier of your lips. Yeah. And if you can write down for two weeks, everything you eat, even if it's Twinkies, it doesn't matter. You know, as long as you're being honest with what you're eating, how much water you're intaking, how much fiber you're getting, is your diet somewhat balanced? Are you looking at micronutrients at all with regards to to what's going into your system? If we can get to the point where we're actually analyzing what's going in, we'll have a better understanding of where the changes need to happen. So, you know, that's a, a huge start is just an understanding, a really, really honest understanding. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So let me ask you this, because I know inflammation is obviously a big topic of conversation these days for everybody uh, for obvious reasons, because I think uh, so much of what we eat in our American based diet causes inflammation, whether we feel it or not. So if someone wanted to start eating healthier and start eating what we call a quote unquote anti-inflammatory diet, what are the things that they would have to remove from their diet in order for that to happen? That's a really, really good question. The first one, um, which I'm pretty adamant about, is sugar. Okay. And sugar is a drug. I hate to sound like everybody else, but it really is because it has <laughs> addictive properties. Yeah. Right. So it's, we all know if you wake up and you eat the wrong thing first thing in the morning, at least for me, I should only speak in my my world, but if I were to eat something that had sugar in it first thing in the morning, all I can think about all day is sugar. Okay. So let me ask you a question about that. Is there a difference between eating a donut and eating a cup of strawberries? Yes. Because, because they go- the, the sugar that's in the strawberries is, is naturally absorbed slower gotcha. than than the sugar that's going to cause that sugar spike. Gotcha. Okay. And then the fiber that's in the strawberries also allows for that slow absorption. Gotcha. Makes sense. So we're avoiding sugar spikes. Those, you know. And you're not adding gluten and, you know, flour and all that other crap. And fry. (laughs) And fry it. Right. Exactly. Pretty Um, much uh, a no-no across the board. Right. Okay. All right. So yes. Okay. So that makes sense. Sugar. Dairy, dairy and gluten are, are big ones as well. Now, you know, people, I'm not an absolute type of person. Sugar is an absolute, right? You, you have to watch your sugar intake, period, amen. But with regards to gluten and dairy, I think, again, it goes back to awareness. Yeah. You have to know what you're eating and how what you're eating makes you feel. Yeah. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're you're probably not going to get to a point where you can start removing things or being honest. But, you know, if, if dairy makes you feel sick, (laughs) we probably shouldn't eat it. (laughs) Right. And I think that like, for me, 
I love dairy and I love cheese and I love ice cream. I mean, I'll never forget the conversation I was having with a functional medicine doctor that I was working with who literally was like, okay, so what are your, what are your non-negotiables? I mean, we weren't really even talking about changing my diet, but um, I was gluten-free at the time. She's like, what are your non-negotiables? And I'm like, well, ice cream and cheese, because (laughs) they're like the two things that make me the happiest in my life. Like I love ice cream and I could literally just for a meal, eat a, you know, a platter of delicious cheese with some fig spread and crackers. And, you know, that's just like what that's they're what I ate. I love them. And by the end of the conversation, she's like, so I think all of your health issues are basically because you eat dairy. (laughs) I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) So like, you know, my point of saying all that is that I didn't realize that dairy was not making me feel well. It's not like I ate an, a bowl of ice cream and got a stomach ache right away. Right? right. So there weren't like triggers for me that way to say that this isn't good for me, but over time it was causing the, I mean, it's the inflammation. It was yeah. causing joint pain, um, yeah. you know, reflux and, and basically asthma that I had my entire life. And then when I stopped eating dairy, it, just mysteriously went away. So, right. you know, crazy, crazy I things. Get, I get nervous about <laughs> being in the role that I'm in when I tell people what I do. They either ask me what they should be eating or they get defensive about what they're eating. <laughs> and so <laughs> a lot of times I find that it's just a gentler approach, right? We can wiggle into kind of, you know, a healthier lifestyle by, by removing some things slowly and gradually. Sometimes it's not the case. Sometimes there is a severity of a health issue that needs to be addressed and we need to remove something right away. But I do get nervous when we do these, you know, when I make these sweeping generalizations that gluten and dairy are bad because it's hard. I don't it's want to hard, turn and they're not, I don't they're, want to lose anybody before I even get a chance to talk to them. <laughs> exactly. And I and everybody's physical bodies are very different, right? So yeah. everybody reacts differently to everything that right. that they eat. And so, you know, now I mean I'm yes, I'm dairy free, but that doesn't mean to your point doesn't mean I don't ever have cheese or ever have a bowl of ice cream because now that I've removed it from my diet for whatever it was, three or six months, and saw some real physical changes, I am able to have it once in a while without feeling guilty and I can enjoy it. It's just not something I can have every day. Like instead of milk, you know, in my cereal, I'll have oat milk, you know, substitutions for, and don't you think it is a lot about like, unless someone has like a severe allergy to something, which I don't, um, but like, don't you think it's really about what you do every day that matters? Like, and it's like, you know, like consistency. So yeah. it's not like cheating once on the weekend or when, or, you know, kind of thing. It's really what you do is your habitual eating that matters. I, I think that's a really good point too, in that I tell people, you got to break it down to two types of eating. There's probably more than two, but let's just start with two. Okay. And it's everyday normal eating and then celebratory eating. Love it. Yeah. So you're not going to eat the same thing for dinner a Tuesday in February that you're going to eat on your birthday. Nor should you, right? You should celebrate. Food is about absolutely. It's about enjoying the things that we love. It's the thing that brings us all together in certain regards, right? Absolutely. We, we, We meet over food. We discuss food. 
for me, it's always an entree point to someone I don't know. What do they eat? What, you know, what's their favorite foods? So I, I think it's, um, you have to really analyze whether it's just Tuesday morning or it's your birthday. Yeah. And it totally. goes back to that never say never thing. If you're going to say, well, I can never have a piece of chocolate cake again. I mean, the world's going to come to a screeching halt. Right. <laughs> I mean, who can say never about that? Right. Okay. So let, let's talk about your thoughts on being vegetarian versus not. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts there? So this is also a very hot topic right now too. Yeah. I've been a vegan. I've been current. I'm currently eating meat. My diet is for me. I don't eat dairy. I don't eat gluten. I don't eat red meat. There's a bunch of other foods I don't eat because they just don't really make me feel great. But for everybody else, it might be different. Right. Now, my living situation is I live with my husband. And if I said to him, I'm going to be a vegan, and I'm obviously the main cook in the house, right, right. <laughs> it would cause a little bit of stress. Right. I also cook meat for clients. So yeah. for me to go in and say, I don't eat meat. So I have to cook for you without meat is a little bit of a thing. I don't eat a lot of meat. I eat more fish than I eat any other force uh, sor- source of protein. But I-, I just think the absolutes are tough. Vegetarian yeah. diets, to me, can be very difficult. Because vegetarians, at times, uh, will eat more pasta and dairy than even an omnivore. Yeah. So that makes me worried. You know, so for me, a vegetarian diet would never work. I don't eat pasta. I don't eat dairy. So, you know, I I think that it's better to take the things out slowly and experiment and see what works. If you are going to eat meat, fish, make sure you know where the source is. Yeah. I am a big no-no when it comes to farmed fish. Yeah. If you've ever been to a fish farm, you'd never want to. You'll never eat it again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I did that once. (laughs) That's all it took. Never again. And that that was going to be my next question. So if you are eating, you know, meat sources of protein, you know, are there ones that you think are better than others? And obviously you think that better to eat like more poultry and fish than red meat. And again, for for you and for health and listen, that's been, I mean, gosh, I feel like that's been since like I was a kid, they started saying, you know, red meat in, in small doses kind of moderation, right? In moderation. Yes. Thank you. And, you know, and then now we have organic, um, which I'm assuming is just healthier to eat. It is, but here's the thing. So you have to consider the source. Okay. And you have to, you know, I understand that Instacart's a great thing. And and a lot of my clients use it. And a lot of my friends use it. People don't like to grocery shop. I walk into the grocery store, like a kid in a candy store. I want to know (laughs) what's fresh, what's new, what could I find? But when you're buying meat, it is best to get organic grass-fed beef, pork, you know, here in Pennsylvania, we're close to these farms. Yeah. So consider the source. All of the farmers markets have these specialty meat companies, these smaller farms. The animals are treated more humanely. They have a better quality of life. But more importantly, there's less disease on these farms and less antibiotics that are needed to keep these animals 
to grow the animals to the point that they can be used for meat. Mm. On to the organic vegetable thing. Again, it's a, it's a tough one for me because as a nutrition consultant, I understand completely why we should eat organic. And in my, there's no question that we should. But as a chef, when I go into the market and I see the organic produce and it's withered and old, I know that that one, it's not a good product to deal with. And two, as produce starts to die, which it does immediately once it's picked, it's losing its nutrient density. And so those withered up carrots and the, you know, the really dry looking broccoli, it it makes me feel concerned. So I do a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, there is something called the dirty dozen and yeah. the clean 15. So that's a good way to start, you know, what you can wash the, the pesticides off of and what you can't. I, I think that's a, a good list to know those, what those are. Yeah. Greens, just as a general rule, greens are the most important thing you should get for sure. Okay. That's good. Yeah. To know. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this. So I, I know there are some really great substitutions. Like, you know, if you're like for me, I I never even heard or knew what nutritional yeast was until I went dairy free. And then it was like part of all these recipes that I was using as like a substitute for cheese. And I'm like, how is this possible? But so something like that, like, are there some substitutions out there that are, you know, really great substitutions for something that's bad for you that you could switch out and be like, okay, this works. This isn't so bad. Yeah. Nutritional yeast is a great one. That's a great one because it does add that umami cheesy flavor to things. Yeah. I've tried a lot of the vegan cheeses. Yeah. And some of them make me feel a little concerned because (laughs) you got to read the labels. Yeah. Right. Some of them actually have gluten in them, ironically. (laughs) I I mean, they really do. I've bought dairy-free cheese before and I've gotten it home. And it's not, it's not cheap. It's like expensive. Sure. And it says contains wheat on the back. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Right. I can't believe. So I, I do agree with that. You really have to read your labels because. Yeah, you have to, you have to read the labels because it, it, there's, if there's a ton of chemicals and things. Yeah. You know, it goes it. back to the impossible burger versus a beef burger. Exactly. Right. What yep. a, an impossible burger is made in a lab. It has. 18 something, maybe more than that ingredients. Half of them, you don't know what it is. Yeah. I happen to think they're delicious, but I, I don't eat them because. You don't know what's the, in it. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I can't pronounce half this stuff. So right. why would I eat this? But is it better to eat, you know, a grass fed beef burger? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. You know, just how does everything make you feel? And exactly. how do you feel? You know, because people are vegan and vegetarian for ethical reasons as well. Sure. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's not just about health. It's about, you know, the planet and everything else. So I, I never like to preach to people exactly what they should be eating. But, you know, just make those those informed decisions. For me, I stopped eating Impossible Burgers for that reason, because yeah. now I just eat turkey burgers. <laughs> yeah. And you can kind of doctor them up and make them taste good. So, absolutely, uh, you know, but if beef is working for you, just make sure you're getting it from a good source and locally grown. The other thing is, you know, we have to consider the planet and the effects that certain foods, the food industry in general has on the planet. 
when we're shipping things from California, the carbon footprint on those foods is is huge. So when we can, which here in Chile, Pennsylvania, we can't all the time. When you can, you know, you have to buy your food locally. Organic, not organic, just it's a the net net to buying organic versus buying local. To me, it's all about being local because you're supporting those farmers and you're also not adding to the transportation cost to the to the planet. So that's a big one for me. But again, it's it's February. I know. <laughs> so we can't go it's to hard to get. Right now. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, okay, so what is one meal or what what is like your favorite meal that you cook that you feel like is really healthy and really delicious? Cuz I know you have a bunch of them, but what's your favorite? <laughs> I've been really into beans lately. Um, okay. and I've been making these you probably, I probably made them for you at some point. The um, Mediterranean chickpea salad and the collards. Oh yeah, beans so are yummy. a great a great source of plant based protein, but more importantly, they're a great source of fiber. Yeah, and everybody's all talking about protein all the time, but it's really it's well, it's it, protein is not an issue for anyone that's having an omnivore eating an omnivore's diet. Yeah, vegans, you have to watch your protein intake, but. If you are eating an omnivore's diet, protein is not an issue. However, fiber is a huge issue for yeah. almost everybody. Everybody. No everybody. one's getting enough fiber. Like 97% of Americans aren't getting enough fiber. I, I think know. You, you and me and like six other people in America, and that's it. But exactly. <laughs> so, so beans, are, beans solve that problem. They're a huge source of fiber and fiber allows our body to eliminate the toxins, help with cardiovascular health, help with cancer prevention. So they're, it's just, they're a great source and they're super easy. You should always have canned beans in the house Yeah. for that day when I just walked in after cooking, had to come down here and chat with you. And I was like, what am I going to eat? I can't go (laughs) without some food. Right. And I opened a can of beans, rinsed them off, threw some dressing on them, little greens, and I was done. So it's a great, great instant source of of nutrition on a bunch of levels. So they're they're great to have. Um, And are there certain beans that you like versus others, like kidney beans, black beans, or you like them all? I like cannellini beans the best. Oh, okay. I think they're very versatile. And back to substitutions, I make a roasted garlic rosemary and white bean dip that you can take and put in like a panini with some vegetables. And that tastes very cheesy because you have all those flavors that bring that umami kind of sense. You could add some nutritional yeast in there too, but it almost acts like a cheese spread because white beans become very creamy. Mm. So, so those are probably my favorite because I think they're the most versatile. Wow. That sounds so good. I'm getting hungry as we're talking. <laughs> well, Maureen, I, I know firsthand what an amazing chef you are and how delicious all of your food is. So where can people find you and learn more about what you do? So I have a website. It's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me. And it's plantedkitchens with an S.com. So www.plantedkitchens.com. And also my Instagram is planted 
<laughs> she was getting my my little dog was getting very excited about your your cooking as well. <laughs> She's been on my Instagram, I think. Uh, <laughs> planted kitchens for the number four life. That's my Instagram. I post a lot of inspirational things, lots of pictures of of food that I'm cooking for clients. Great ideas. So it's a you know both either either one's a great way to reach me. Yeah. Yes, and I know I am, you're. I okay. am taking clients right now. Uh, I've also been doing a lot of cooking demonstrations to large groups where I'll go in and tout the benefits of certain food groups. Um, they're usually plant-based because I feel like regardless of whether you eat meat or not, all of us could use more plants in our diet. Absolutely. So, and and more direction on cooking more plant-based. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So the how and the why, you know, why, why do we need these things and how do you get them in the diet? Yeah. So those absolutely. cooking demonstrations um, are a great resource for that. It seems like I can get to a large audience without any sort of commitment, long-term commitment. Yeah. And, and help it's fun. A lot of people. So it's, fun. Like, it's a, it's a fun and something different, right. To do sure. you're learning and sure. maybe drinking a glass of wine or doing something while you're doing it. I mean, I think that's a great, great idea. Great activity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Maureen. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for sharing your story and all of your expertise. Um, I love you. I think you're amazing. And I'm so glad that all of my listeners will get to learn about you and, and hear how amazing you are as well. So thank you so much for being on. Thanks, Chrissy. It was really fun. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, guys, uh, make sure you check out Maureen at Planted Kitchens for Life on Instagram and Planted Kitchens. And I will be back next week with another awesome suburban warrior here to share her story. Have a great week, everybody.